it's Labor Day weekend. How did it get to be here so soon? But the weather has cooled off. It's beautiful outside and it's the perfect time to get away. Even if getting away just means a walk in Rock Creek Park, or if it means escaping one last time to the beach, relaxing is mandatory for our spirits. Being able to take that deep breath and know that God is with us, that all is well and all is safe in the world, that God is in our minds and our bodies and we can get away from the news cycle and just rest. Trust in the Lord and do not be afraid. Well, Jesus has tried to do just this. And just a disclaimer, Jesus' vacation did not go very well, at least not at first. He tried. We know he often went away by himself to pray. He would find time to go out on the mountaintop at night. He tried often to take a boat and go to a different part of the Sea of Galilee, and yet people found him. It was difficult for Jesus to get away and renew his spirit, and yet it is mandatory. So Jesus went away to the seaside city of Tyre. It was an odd place for Jesus to go because the people of Tyre hated Galileans. Phoenicia and Palestine were ancient enemies since the beginning of time before David slew Goliath and relationships hadn't improved. Tyre was wealthy. They were a wealthy city port and they sucked the labor and food and economic poor of Galilee. Both were oppressed by the Roman emperor, but Tyre rolled out the welcome mat every time the emperor came to town. So the poor Galileans were not impressed by Tyre, and the Tyrrhenians just hated the Galileans. Maybe Jesus went there because it was the last place that anybody thought that he would go. But his reputation as a healer preceded him. And word gets out that Jesus is staying there in the city. And a woman, a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin, shows up at his door. Now, the gospel writer has just packed into that one sentence about every point of conflict that there could be between two people at that time. Gender, culture, religion, history, ethnicity, race, politics, economic status. In just that one sentence, the author of the gospel has put us on notice that this interaction is not going to go well. And at first, it does not go well. The Syrophoenician woman knows she's not supposed to be there. She is a woman. She is an enemy. 
she is ethnically despised. But maybe she thinks Jesus isn't supposed to be there. Her daughter is sick. And Jesus is the best last chance to save her. And so she is supposed to be there. And she humbles herself. She bows. She calls him sir in one interpretation. In another, it is Lord. And she asks healing for her little daughter. Jesus not only refuses her request, he calls her and her little daughter one of the most degrading, disgusting, dehumanizing names a person can call another person at that time. Dogs. If we were in Harry Potter, it would be like Malfoy calling Hermione a mudblood, where Hagrid is just aghast that anyone would even ever say that word. But there it is, Jesus does it. It's not fair to take the children's food, that is the children of Israel, and throw it to you filthy, dirty, Gentile, enemy women. It's gross. And yet this woman comes right back at Jesus. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. In other words, insult me all you want. Heal my daughter. It makes me squirm that she has to take this abuse from Jesus and settle for crumbs. That's not okay. And why is this story even in the Bible? At my family, we have theological discussions at the dinner table. When I speak to my one daughter who's still at home and we discuss the passages and we decided this whole passage was a mess, just a mess. And we were talking about the woman and who were her allies and what could I as a white woman say about this story and it was just a mess. And then my theologically astute husband said, you know, the real question is, why is this even in the Bible? This is why we have theological discussions at the dinner table, because they're really good. Jesus tells us to love our enemies, bless those who persecute you, care for the widow and the orphan, welcome the stranger. Jesus is behaving badly and there is no excuse. So I give thanks to God that this story is in the Bible. Thanks be to God that Jesus really could be a terribly flawed human being. And let's just listen to that one more time. Thanks be to God that Jesus, at least from time to time, could be a terribly flawed human being. As human beings, we do things sometimes for which there is no excuse. 
I thank God that the woman gave Jesus a chance to change his mind. She made him hear his own hateful words come back at him. She showed him that he had humiliated himself. And he owned his bad behavior. And he changed his mind. He changed. The children became not just the children of Israel, the children became all the children of the world. There was bread enough for all. He healed the little girl. And I don't think that's crumbs. I think Jesus accepted her full humanity and her full worth as a human being. He accepted her as a woman, as a Gentile, as a Syrophoenician, and everything that that meant. I think that at this moment in that story, she convinced him to set aside all the isms, and the two of them colluded against all of those forces that would separate them in order to heal the children, not just one little girl, but all the children. This story gives me hope because we say and do terrible things to people when we are trying to be on vacation, when we are tired, and angry when the worst comes out of us. And it's never okay. We do things for which there is just no excuse. I know I have. I'm not gonna tell you about them, but they're there. And this story tells me that Jesus is right there too. And when we or someone or anyone is called names or demeaned or dehumanized or denied health care, Jesus is there. I want to start pounding on the pulpit. When our daughters, nieces, sisters are denied the right to health care, Jesus is there. And he has the experience, the humility, and the power to change minds. And all the messed up abuse of power, and all the utter mess of gender inequality and intractable politics, ethnic hatred, economic exploitation, climate catastrophe, violence against women and girls. Jesus, the real Jesus, is really in the mess. And Jesus knows that things can change. Jesus heals. He heals the enemy, the despised, the other. Jesus is here. Jesus heals the little girl no matter what. And we know it's not just about the little girl and the little son, it's about the next generation. This is about my grandchildren and your grandchildren and their grandchildren. This is about 
the next generation. This is about the future, the little girl. Jesus heals all the children. I was working on this sermon on Wednesday morning when I heard a story on the radio about aid agencies in Afghanistan. The interviewer was speaking with a Norwegian woman who worked with an NGO to help with humanitarian disasters beyond the war, drought, COVID. The healthcare system has collapsed. The little sons and daughters are sick and hungry. The interviewer asked if the aid agency were going to leave. Given the threats, especially to women under the Taliban, would they leave? In my mind, I thought, get out of there. Do not submit to abuse and subordination. Do not stay. This is dangerous. The Taliban were separating the woman from the men and forcing the women to wear the headscarves. Leave. And yet, in my heart, I hoped they would stay. The woman from the aid agency told the interviewer, we will separate the women from the men, and we will wear the headscarf as long as we can heal the children. As long as we can heal the children, we will stay. And there she was, the Syrophoenician woman, right there, willing to grab the crumbs and make it into bread. Jesus is there. Jesus is here in the mess with us, among us, powerfully working in our world to cast out demons that threaten our children. We make messes. We're in big messes. And Jesus is with us. And many, many people come with Jesus to help clean them up, to heal. Jesus is here to heal all the little children. Trust in the Lord, my friends. Take a deep breath, trust in the Lord, and do not be afraid. Amen.